Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Um, I just want to thank you again for joining us today. And I want to thank you for your commitment to staying with us, even in the middle of a global pandemic, as we're trying to figure this thing out. I want to thank you for continuing to tune in. And guys, I am excited to introduce to you a new sermon series today. And it's called Encouragements from Abroad. And there's kind of a philosophy, there's kind of thought that went into this. You see, in this world around us, um, individualism, self-sufficiency, they're kind of proclaimed as like the pinnacle, right? I want to be independent. I want to be self-sufficient and not relying on anyone around me. But when we look at the text of scripture, when we see the story of God, um, it rejects this kind of lone ranger mentality. God made Adam in need of a helper, Eve. He called Abraham to move out and to create a new people of God that numbered into the millions. And we see as Jesus walked the earth, Jesus invited disciples to come along with them, to have a community, to have a family. And we even see the foundation of the, the very church that we now are a part of here in Clarksville, Tennessee. The global church was founded by a group of believers praying in an upper room. And so God has created us to be dependent on him, but he's also created us to be dependent on one another as well. And we've actually seen this throughout history as how the church has spread. The church hasn't just spread by little pockets popping up independently, but rather churches sending other churches, missionaries sending other missionaries. We see that people sending people and people partnering together to see the advancement of God in the world. And so um, it it would really be very prideful of us to say that we just showed up here by the sheer force of our will to plant this church. But humility leads us to say that we need to rely on God and we actually need to rely on his people and even other churches to help our little church family get started. Every church stands on the work of the churches that came before it. And so I want to celebrate over the next four weeks our friends and our partners who have invested in very unseen ways into our church family and into me. And really, the fact that Redeeming Hope is here is really because of the investments of friends, the investments of mentors, of colleagues, the investments of even people that are in leadership in our church that are helping us form this family of faith in Clarksville. And so it is my extreme privilege and honor to introduce you to one of my friends, Jeremy Rose. Jeremy planted a church called the Axis Church in Nashville, Tennessee, about 11 or 12 years ago. And he is an accomplished church planter. He's a pastor. He's formed a beautiful culture. Um, some of our cultural things that we use here at Redeeming Hope, um, Rachel and I picked up by being a member of the Axis Church for this year of transition that we had between moving out from Hendersonville and moving here to Clarksville. So we actually were underneath Jeremy and his leadership team's leadership. We were underneath his spiritual authority and they prayed for us and sent us to come out here. And so I really am encouraged, I'm excited to introduce, and I'm excited to have you be encouraged by my friend, Jeremy Rose. Redeeming Hope family, uh, Pastor Josh and Miss Rachel Young, wonderful to be with you. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity uh, to encourage you in the gospel and in, in God's word today. I'm Jeremy, the pastor at the Axis Church in downtown Nashville. Um, And I know that 
there's been, you know, over, over the last year, uh, a lot of life-shaking, um, reality-shaping um, catastrophes that have uh, come through Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, remember the tornadoes that ripped through our region, and then, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic and, and all the uh, shutdowns and isolation that we've experienced Shortly thereafter, you remember the, the racial tensions that came uh, to a head all over the world, but certainly throughout our nations, and questions of police and, and policies and just the political upheaval, and then thinking that 2020 was finished. You remember um, even on Christmas morning, the, uh, the, the suicide bomber uh, that uh, exploded on 2nd Avenue uh, Christmas morning. Um, all of this, really, what it does... Uh, what it's revealed to me is that it proves there's very, very little that we can place our hopes in um, that is sure and firm, that's settled, unchanging, um, and permanent. There's very little that is rock solid, um, very, very little. Um, and what's problematic about this is stability is very uh, key. I would even say it's essential to um, our human needs. Uh, to have some sort of stability emotionally, um, to, to be able to have a, a solid place that we live from. Uh, and instability, it seems, is very disconcerting for us um, with our mental health, our emotional well-being. Uh, and so in light of this, my hope uh, in our time together is that I could offer you uh, four stabilizing pillars that you can build this year on and the rest of your life on. These are four things that are unchanging, that are unshakable, uh, that no matter what happens through virus, through politics, or through change, nothing will alter these four stabilizing truths. So you can put your hope in them. You can build your life on them. They won't disappoint you, and they'll never change. Um, I remember uh, back in the fall of, of 2000, it was my senior year in college uh, in the upstate of South Carolina, and I really liked this lady. Uh, her name was Jill, and I ended up marrying her, and we've been married almost 20 years. Um, and, and so one of the things that we did, our first thing we ever did on campus, other than the typical walk to class together, let me carry your books, uh, do you want to eat at the cafeteria together, beyond just the normal thing like that, uh, was we wanted to play basketball against each other. You know, she's almost six foot, I'm six two, she played basketball growing up, I loved basketball, I was playing at college at the time. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, let's go, let's go hoop. Let's go see what happens, you know? And, uh, and she said, there's one, one ask that I have. And I'm like, sure, I'll take it easy on you. And, um, and she's like, no, the opposite. She said, I want you to play me like you would Kyle. Kyle was, is my, you know, he was my beloved roommate, my dear friend even today. And she was like, don't play me like a girl, right? And she, to this day, still says that whenever we play anything. Don't play me like a girl. Um, and whatever that means. And, uh, and so anyway, y'all, it lasted, the, our, our basketball time that day lasted eight seconds, and she left with a bloody mouth, all right? Um, because I gave her the ball first, uh, she went for a shot, and uh, got the rebound, uh, took it out, came back in, went for a pump fake, she jumps to try to block it, and um, I leaned in, drew contact, and won, uh, but my shoulder apparently hit her, and... Um, yeah, and I felt like a fool. Uh, so we leave the court, and I get in my truck, and I feel like an idiot. Uh, no discernment whatsoever. Um, played really, really too hard. And um, 
So we got in the truck, and I dropped her off at her dorm, and she said words that I'll never forget. She said, Jeremy, it's time that we talk about us. And I was just like, man, yeah, you're right. I'm a fool. Like, I'm an idiot. I've taken this stuff too far. You don't even probably like me. Like, I, I should have, like, not been so physical on the basketball court. Like, man, I'm a complete idiot. And so I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you mean about us? Which I thought was a really good question, a follow-up. And um, she says, well, Jeremy, everybody, everybody knows that I like you. And I was like, well, uh, now everyone knows, apparently, because before you just said that, I had no idea. And, but, it, man, it, I love that she liked me, and, uh, and it changed everything, learning uh, that she liked me, you know, that we had to talk about us. And that's kind of what I want these four truths to be for you today, is I want you and God to have a talk about the us between you and him, where you might be shocked, you might be floored, to learn what he thinks about you, like I was, Jill, in the pickup truck uh, after our bloody eight-second war on the basketball court. And she said, let's talk about us. I want to encourage you, um, and I hope that much like me and Jill in our conversation about us, that you'll never be the same, that you'll never be the same after you hear about the us between you and God. And I know, you know, some people don't think about God too often, um, except when catastrophe hits or when pandemics come. Um, you know, some people may, may uh, think that God is mad at them. Um, some people think that they're a disappointment to God, and it's almost insulting him to, to pray at times. It's like, I can't talk. I can't pray right now. Like, I'm just, like, he hates me. Like, he's, he's shaking his head at me, or maybe he's pointing his finger at me. So how in the world could I, could I pray? Um, and I get that. I've experienced those feelings too. But there's a God, and he's real. And the real God, he knows the real you, and he loves you, the real you. And uh, like me on the first date there, that might come as surprising news, uh, that someone like that likes you and loves you. Um, so during these strange days of, of 2020 and, and all that happened there and leaning into 2021 and all the weird things that have already happened here, I know that... Uh, that most of us are struggling. Um, many of us, if our studies are right, and I believe they are, we were struggling in 2019. We were struggling long before this stuff happened, but we're especially struggling right now. According to Bible Gateway, which is the world's most visited Christian website, if you didn't know that, Bible Gateway, uh, fear or fear not was the number five and six most popular keyword search in 2020. And the most read verse of the Bible in 2020 was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. In fact, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. So doubts and uncertainty, um, anxiety, um, trying to fit in, trying to find a place to belong and maybe feel relevant, um, panic, um, confusion over a number of things, maybe having a low view of yourself, uh, uh, a low view of your worth, um, many, many, many insecurities, um, anger, resentment, bitterness that grows within, maybe depression, uh, restlessness, all this stuff. Um, all this seems to have come to a head in many of our hearts, right, and our minds throughout 
a year, a year and two months now, uh, just uh, full of um, racism and, and justice talk, election and political confusion, pandemic fears. Um, and here, here's what many of us did um, to try to get through these, these emotions and these feelings and circumstances. Um, two things that, that uh, I read about in the New York Times a couple weeks ago is many of us resorted to what's called doom scrolling. I don't know if you're familiar with doom scrolling. Doom scrolling is that tendency to surf through content on the internet even though it makes you sad, even though it continues to like, make you uh, depressed and disheartened. Uh, doom scrolling. Um, uh, if we didn't do that, a lot of us went to like Zillow surfing. Uh, Zillow surfing is... is uh, the term wanting to kind of flee your current circumstance. You begin to daydream about an alternate reality of living somewhere else, having a cleaner kitchen, a bigger house, a, you know, uh, maybe a house more remotely uh, located or maybe more urban. You know, many, many people fantasize about a different life. So whether it be a, a doom scrolling or a Zillow surfing, we were trying to do something on the inside to try to find a, a, another way of helping me process the reality of all that can, came, uh, came around over the last 13 to 14 months. Um, my point here is that we're, we're all in need of something that helps stabilize us, right? We're, we're trying to, we, need, we need to know that we matter. We need to be happy, and we're looking to find that anywhere. Um, and so I want you to hear me. You matter. You matter. You're significant. You're loved, and you're important, Okay? Uh, John Dewey, who is a, uh, an American philosopher, uh, he passed away in 1952. He said this, um, the deepest urge, the deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. The deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. All right, here's what I want you to do in light of all this. I want you to grab a sheet of paper. Um, I'd rather you not use your phone if possible so that you can, I want you to scratch this stuff out in your own handwriting and, uh, and put it on your, over your speedometer, or no, don't do that. Um, put it over your oil gauge, because you don't even know what, probably what that's for anyway. And so let's throw it over there over the oil gauge or in your bathroom mirror. Um, and what just happened when I said that is uh, the dudes that are listening, you thought, one, I'm not going to write down anything. Two, I know what my oil gauge does, okay? And I get it. I'm with you, okay? But anyway, grab a sheet of paper, grab a pen, pencil, and I want you to write down four things. It's going to be simple and it's going to be quick, okay? It's not going to be anything complicated here. Uh, I'm not a complicated guy. <laughs> I am emotionally complicated, but right now I'm not being complicated. All right, grab a sheet of paper, and I want you to write down these four things. One, I want you to write this down. God loves me. One, God loves me. Write that down. Two, I'm special. I want you to write that down. One, God loves me. Two, I'm special. Third one, there's a plan for my life. God loves me. I'm special. There's a plan for my life. Four, God likes me. God likes me. God loves me. I'm special. There's a plan for my life. God likes me. Now, stability that, we, that we're after is removed. And in place of stability goes, of course, instability, but really fear. Fear takes the place of stability when you doubt that God loves you, right? When you believe that you're a failure, a mistake. Um, when you believe there's no meaning to your life, there's no point. And, and when you don't believe that God likes you. 
that, that kills your confidence, your joy is removed, um, and you're no longer as stable as what you could be. Uh, but the truth is, and I hope this sticks with you through our time today, is God loves you, you're special, there's a plan for your life, and God likes you. So let's look at these um, real quick. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I just want to review these four things uh, with you. So one, God loves you. The opposite of that would be, uh, the, opposite tr- the opposing truth is, God does not hate you. God doesn't hate you. For God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16, 17, and a little bit of 18 goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, it's you, believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. God loves you. That doesn't sound like hate to me. That doesn't sound like disgust. In fact, in 1 John 4, 8, we know that it says God is love. And then continuing in 1 John, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was shown to us that God sent his son into the world, which is what we just celebrated with Christmas, right? That God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. And then in this is love. Not that necessarily that we've loved God. That's not a a beautiful definition, not a robust enough definition, according to John. He says, but here's the robust definition. But that God loved us and sent his son to be the wrath absorber, the punish taker, the consequence owner, the propitiation for our sins. So Christmas, what we just celebrated, tells us that God's serious about us and his love for us. And then uh, Good Friday tells us just how serious that he is about us in giving up his son to die on the cross. And then, of course, Easter tells us that he keeps his promises, and he's got all the power in the world to do so. So it's obvious that God is interested in you, knowing that he loves you. The question is, are you interested in him? He's already shown his cards. He loves you. Now, how are you going to respond? Okay, so he loves you. Two, I want you to know that you're special. Um, so you're not an idiot. You're not an idiot. Um, you're, you're, not, um, you're not a mistake. You might be a lot of fun. You might be crazy. You might be hilarious, but you're not an idiot. You're not trash. You're not junk. You're not a waste of space. You're not useless, right? No matter what that old voice back in your past, or maybe a cruel voice that's in your ear today, no matter what the abuser said, the the soul manipulator in your past, no matter what happened to you, no no matter who it was that said these lies about you, they're lies, they're not true. You are not trash. You are special. You're not a mistake. One of my favorite things in my dad's office Uh, growing up was this little image of a boy with his arms crossed and above it it said I know I'm no what did it say I know I'm worth something because God don't make no junk right and I love that simple little comic I love that you know you're special because the Bible tells us that that you've been created in the imago Dei in the very image and likeness of God that you're unique first John 4 verse 4 and verse 6 both tell us about you being special. It says, little children, you are from God. And again, in verse 6, we are from God. You see, God has uniquely fashioned you. He has, he's built you, he's designed you, he's accessorized you, he has skilled you and gifted you specifically the way that you are. You are you because of God. You're special. 
You're special because you were made and crafted, handcrafted after God's image and likeness. But also you're special because of what we just heard about in his love for you, that he sent his son for you. So you're special. He sent his son to live perfectly for you, to redeem you, to die as you through his substitutionary work on the cross. Also that you could be forgiven of your sin, of all the things you've ever done wrong, and restored back into friendship with God where you're adopted back into the family of God. You see, here's the thing about uh, sin is uh, not all, none of us are perfect, right? So there's not a single one of us that are outside the category of sinner. That's all of us, right? But then the thing about our sin is our sin, um, it has separated us from God. See, God is perfect and holy, and when we're sinners and we have sin in our life, there's that undealt with sin that separates us. And uh, holiness and perfection is required for us to be compatible uh, in a relationship with God. Now, a, a touch more bad news, right, uh, is there's nothing that you and I can do to fix this broken relationship. There's nothing we can do to change that. Only God can repair the damage that our sin has caused in our friendship being broken with him. Back in December, this is what we celebrated, is that he sent his son, like, Christmas, that's what it's about. God sent Jesus to live, work, and die and beat death to fix our friendship that's broken because of our sin. He came to repair that. The Bible calls that reconciliation, to bring it back. 1 John 3 and 5 says, you know that he appeared, Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. And he does this through passages that, uh, like 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ, you and I might become the righteousness of God. We might become good enough now to be restored back into friendship. It's through the work of Jesus. Another scripture that comes to mind is 1 Peter 3.18 that says, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones, that he might bring us to God, that he might restore us back to God, that he might take care of that broken relationship and make it whole again. So clearly you're special. For all those who, who by faith look to Jesus and believe him, you're no longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. And he loves us. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You're special. You're worth something because Jesus showed up. So God loves you. You're special. And then third, there's a plan for your life. Uh, your life isn't meaningless. Uh, God is paying attention, and he's got very exciting plans for your life, wonderful things. Uh, the second most searched for verse in 2020 was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And according to Second Peter, uh, or 1 Peter chapter 2, you, it tells us we're chosen precious, beloved, and a holy priesthood. Peter continues to write on to tell us that, that we're not a haphazard accident, but we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people for his own possession who've been called out of darkness into his light. And he informs us that we are God's people as we have received his mercy. And so your life has a purpose. It's not meaningless but you can only find your true purpose, like the satisfying purpose of why you're here. You can only find that in God. But there's a lot more 
to your life than what you can see right now. Press into the Lord, press into Jesus, uh, press into Redeeming Hope to learn more about what that plan is for your life. So God loves you, you're special, there's a plan for your life, and God likes you. It's the last one. It's one thing uh, for you to love people, right? But then liking them feels different. Um, You can love someone without liking them, right? Uh, We all just finished up seeing family at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? So you know that you can love somebody without liking them, you know? Like we cry at their funeral, but we don't want to go on vacation with them, right? We know the difference between love and like. You know who popped into your mind. Don't don't act all holy right now, okay? Um, You know what I'm talking about. Um, There's a difference between love and like. But God loves you. And God likes you. God likes you. He likes you. Don't forget that. Let that matter to your spirit. Let that matter to your mind. It's one thing for God to love you, right? But it's another thing for him to like you. He's not just putting up with you. He's not just sitting by waiting for you to die. He likes you. He enjoys you. He really enjoys you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. Eternity, like forever and ever and ever. A day and a day and a day and a day and a day into forever future, onward, 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 forever. He wants to spend that time with you. That doesn't sound like a like that's not a real like. We don't even like being in the same class as certain people, right? Or serving with other people or, or taking road trips with certain people. We don't like working near certain people a lot of times, let alone wanting to spend forever with them. But God says, I like you so much, I want to spend forever with you. Forever. He likes you. He loves you. You're special. There's a plan for your life, and God likes you. Now, in, in closing here, I want to wrap up with this. I want to warn you something. I want to give you like a little insight, like a little clue to help you as you, as you work through these four stabilizing pillars. Okay? You and, you and me, we will experience a lot of heartache. Um, we'll waste a lot of money. We'll spend a lot of time when we look for those four stabilizing pillars in other people or in other things. You see, in our lives, we all have this God-shaped hole. And when we try to fill that void with other people or things, it doesn't work. It only frustrates. It, It ultimately just hurts. So I want you to look to God for these things. I want you to look to the truths that you've heard this morning, that you've heard today, um, that, that, you, that you hear from, from Pastor Josh on and on and on. Every time he talks to you, I know he's, he's reinforcing these truths that God likes you, that you're special, there's a plan for your life, and that God loves you. And it's true. He's got a significant plan for your life. Look to him for this. You find this through a relationship with Jesus, with a relationship with God provided through faith in Jesus. It only happens as the Holy Spirit comes into your life and changes you from the inside out, that's where these stabilizing pillars really begin to take root. But to all of you, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. It's why you were born. It's why you were born. The ultimate reason you were born is so that you would know and love God and be loved by God. And that's ultimately, if you think about it, that's why Jesus was born. We just got finished celebrating Christmas. That's all that Christmas is about, is so that you could have a friendship with God. It's what God wants. And God's got a wonderful plan for your life right here today in this life and in eternity. And I pray that that you truly believe this and that you work to place your hope and confidence and trust 
in this, that you, that you work to think and, and meditate and dwell and ponder on these truths and many more that you hear from Pastor Josh and, uh, and Rachel um, in the coming days and that you've already heard from them, that you begin to like think through these to where you begin to like respond in what the Bible calls faith, right? That you, that you begin to put confidence in these things being true on the inside um, and that you begin to live out your new identity in Christ where you learn and remember and you think and you actually, you like you live in the moment knowing that you are perfectly valued, you're perfectly loved, that you're cherished. And you, every day you tell yourself, I don't have to find my worth in stuff, in money, in, in being recognized by others um, or having a certain element of uh, a certain level of personal pleasure or a certain number of followers on social media or relationships or, or even religion and my performance. I don't have to find my identity in these things. I'm enough because of Jesus. You see, friend, we drift when we look for value and identity apart from the hope that we have in Jesus. So I want you to sit for a moment. I want you to think without going on the next thing and thumb through Instagram and things like that. I want you to sit and think, and I want you to, to ponder and consider the things that, uh, that I've shared. And I want you to try to think through this. Out of these four things, God loves you, you're special, there's a plan for your life, and God likes you. Which of those four is the hardest for you to believe? Which of those four is the hardest for you to believe? I want you to think through that. And I want you to pray and ask God to help you have faith, that he would give you faith to believe that that is true. That the thing you believe least, you actually be begin to believe in more and more. Um, and ask him to reveal that particular truth to your heart in a really special way. Um, and that you would take a moment to pray and, um, and thank God specifically here in a moment, I want you to stop and, and pray and thank God for liking you. Um, if you're like me, I never did that uh, until uh, working through this sermon. Uh, I never just stopped and, and said, God, thank you for liking me. I mean, I've, I've thanked him for loving me many, many times, thousands, tens of thousands of times, but not liking me. So I would like for you to do that too um, and ask for God to give you faith to believe these things are true. And, and for some of you, uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have a relationship with God. You don't believe him. And so I would ask that, that you would pray and, and ask God to save you and make you a Christian and to give you the faith and belief necessary to trust him with your life today and forever. And, and ask him to give you forgiveness of your sin and a fresh start and make you alive to him on the inside uh, where you begin to believe him and where you begin to like him. So I want you to take some time to think through these things. Take a moment to pray. Um, and it was just a wonderful joy and privilege to be able to tell you that you're loved, that you're special, that there's a plan for your life, and that God likes you. Press on, my friends. Believe Jesus. It's worth it. Thank you, Pastor Josh and Redeeming Hope family. God bless you. Jeremy, thank you so much for that incredible word of encouragement. God likes us. He loves us. He cares about us. And oh my gosh, that really spoke to Rachel and I as we listened to it, as we were there when you were recording it, and as we were listening to it just now. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.